for the last few weeks, we've been talking about living with unbreakable faith, how we can stand strong when things go wrong. We've talked about facing doubt and disease and distress and, and even death. Oh yeah, it's been a fun word. Yeah, where are we going next, Pastor? Depression, destruction, disparaging? No. We're going to finish things up talking about how we move forward from here. How do, we, how do we face the future with unbreakable faith? Jesus had a, had a very important mission for coming to earth. Yes, he came to die for our sins, but before he did that, he came to show us what God was like, to show us how to relate to God, how to know him, how to think about him, how to pray. And Jesus had to correct a lot of wrong thinking, a lot of misconceptions that people had about God and about how to know him, including a lot of church people, a lot of religious people. And one of the things that Jesus said, that Jesus consistently said throughout his whole ministry about how to relate to God can be boiled down to two words, follow me, follow me. Follow Jesus. Those are the words that will carry us forward. Those are the words that will move us into the future with unbreakable faith. You know, our faith is only as strong as the object of our faith. And so if our faith, and hopefully through this whole series we've seen this, if our faith is in ourselves, it's going to crumble. Because we can't do it. We can't figure it out. We can't make it work. If our faith is in other people, eventually that's going to crumble too. They may, they may not disappoint us for a while, but eventually if our faith is in other people, it's going to fall apart. Anything else, if our faith is in anything else other than Jesus Christ, it's going to crumble. Now following Jesus is a journey. It's a, it's a series of steps. It's, a, it's an invitation to come as we are. It's an invitation to a relationship with God through Christ. It's an invitation to live life with renewed purpose and, and, and live a life of eternal consequences. But listen, it's not a sprint, okay? It's not zero to 60 in four seconds. It's a step and another step and another, and a series of steps, and a, and a process. You know, we've got folks who, who come to church here um, who haven't exactly been involved in church for a long time. You know, maybe coming back to New Hope was the first time since they were kids. And maybe some of you, you know, don't have any church experience at all. You don't come from a church background. And, and it's easy if, if that's you, it's easy to feel like you're behind the curve a little bit. You know, um, it seems like everybody around you is able to find the, the references in the Bible like that. You know, you're still trying to find the table of contents. I mean, you, you can't even find them on the back of your, your, your message notes. You can't find the right scripture. And then when, when Christians talk, they use all these strange words that we never use anywhere else. 
we never use in any other context, and we're not even sure, you're not even sure what they're talking about, and you think, you know what, I'm just not there yet. And honestly, I'm not sure if I even want to be there. I mean, you know, I know some Christians, and you know, they're kind of like, dee, 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 dee. I mean, I, I don't even know if I want to do that. Too many times we see the Christian life like, like flipping a switch or like jumping off a cliff when the truth is it's a series of steps. It, it's a journey. It's a process. And let me tell you something that might sound a little strange. Sometimes the Bible is a little less than helpful on that point. I, I mean, you ever read something in the Bible and go, uh-uh, nope. You ever read something in the Bible and go, no, I, I need more information. There's got to be more to that story. Okay, it's just me. Right. I'm the only one. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Now, if you don't have a, a Bible with you this morning, we're going to put the verses up on the screen. They're also in your message notes. You want to get your message notes out so you can take some, some notes as we go along. And the scriptures, as I said, are on the back there. We, we're going to look at the same story told in two different books of the Bible. And see if you can relate to to what I've been saying, to this need maybe to have a little more information. We'll we'll start in Matthew chapter 4. It might help if I turned over there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Uh, Yeah, right. A little more information here. I mean, a stranger walks up and says, Hey, come follow me. Leave your job, leave your family, and come follow me. Really? Well, look what happens next. Verse 21, a little farther up the shore, he, that's Jesus, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, maybe it's just me. But that seems a little irresponsible, doesn't you? Bye, Dad. Tell Mom we love her. Hope you can get that boat in, get everything cleaned up, put away by yourself. Good luck making a living without us. I mean, he's, all right, he's the father of, four, of two grown men that we know about. The, the, the five of them, the, you know, him and his sons and Peter and Andrew are all in business together. Hey, good luck carrying on that fit commercial fishing business, losing four experienced, grown people, and you're old, and so good luck. They left their father holding the bag on the family business to run off and follow some stranger who'd come along and called out, follow me. <laughs> well, can I just tell you that it almost never works out that way? I, I mean, just chuck it all and quit the family business and Lay down your occupation, leave your family behind and follow Jesus. And if you've, you know, if you've ever been nervous or scared because you thought that's what following Jesus meant, here's some good news. You'll want to write this down. 
Following Jesus is the process of moving from where we are to the next place He wants us to be. Following Jesus is the process of moving from where we are to the next place He wants us to be. And we do it again and again and again. What God wants from us who seek to follow Him is so simple. Just take the next step. Take the next step. The truth is, there is more to this story than Matthew tells us. It's helpful for us to know that Matthew was writing to the Jews. He was writing to Jewish people uh, who'd been taught from the time they could walk and talk that Messiah was coming and that when Messiah shows up, you drop everything and you follow him, no questions asked. But Luke, on the other hand, tells his story and he writes to Gentiles. That's people like you and me who were not, you know, don't have a Jewish background. Uh, people who weren't looking for a Messiah, maybe didn't understand what that was all about. And he gives us some more perspective. He gives us more detail about what happened. And in the process, he shows us a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. Now, that is found in Luke chapter 5. And the thing that will strike us when we first look there in Luke 5 is that this story doesn't begin with a stranger showing up saying, follow me. It begins with teaching. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. In those days, commercial fishing took place at night. Remember, they, they live in a, in a warm climate, in a, an arid climate, and at night the water was cool. And when the water cools off, the fish come to the surface and The fishermen would drop out these huge nets into the water and haul in their their catch, and they'd fish all night. And then as as it began to be daylight, they'd they'd go ashore, offload the fish, and wash off the slime and the fish goo off of their nets, stretch them out in the sun to dry, and they would repair them. Then they'd roll them up and put them away and go home to sleep until it was time to go to work again. It was kind of a third shift job back in those days. And that's where James and John and their dad, Zebedee, and Peter and Andrew, that's where they're at. They're on the shore. They're washing their nets. They're listening to Jesus teach. The Bible says he was right there teaching. They were hearing him preach. Now, we're not told how long Jesus had been teaching, but the crowd continues to grow. And as the crowd grows, it presses in. And pretty soon, Jesus is back up against the water. And he turns and looks, and there are boats there. And he turns to Peter, and he says, Do you mind if I sit in your boat while I preach? Peter says, sure. And they get into the boat. Look at verse 3. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So you see? The story doesn't begin with a stranger showing up saying, leave everything and follow me. It begins with Jesus teaching and Peter and the others hearing Jesus teach. And then Jesus says, can I sit in the boat with you? In other words, can I draw in a little closer? And then there's more teaching. 
Jesus continues to teach and to preach. And then Jesus says, it's then that Jesus says, hey, as long as we're out here, let's go fishing. (laughs) And you know what? I think Peter must have thought, what are you talking about? Oh, oh, that's right. Seems like I heard that you're a carpenter. You're not a a fisherman. Uh, Maybe you don't understand. You don't fish in the daytime. You fish at night. It's the only time you can catch anything. Look at uh, the first part of verse 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 5. Master Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Hey, Jesus, no offense. Uh, But we've been out here fishing when you're supposed to go fishing. We didn't catch anything. And we're not going to catch anything now. The sun's up. The water's getting warm. And you know what? We're tired. We've been up all night and we've already cleaned our nets. And there's something else. Uh, Jesus, there's a big crowd here. And if they see us go out fishing in the middle of the day, they're going to think we're idiots. Here's what we got to understand here. Jesus' request made no sense. (laughs) You ever been there? I've been there. Jesus' request made no sense. But I love how Peter responds. Last part of verse 5. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If you say so. Jesus, I wouldn't do this for just anybody. I wouldn't do it for my parents or my friends. or I sure wouldn't do it for my fishing partners. But I've been listening to you. I've been, I've been learning from you. And in light of what I've heard, in light of what I've learned, in light of what I've experienced, Jesus, in light of what I hope is true about you, I'll do it. Verse 6. This time their nets were so full of fish... They began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Wow, look at all these fish! We won't have to go fishing again for a month! (laughs) No. Last part of verse 8. Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Now watch this. Notice this. That came after they heard Jesus teach. That came after he borrowed their boat. That came after they took a chance and went fishing in the daytime. It, It came after... They saw what he could do. It came after they began to get an idea that maybe he was who they had hoped for, who they were looking for. It was then. Then is when Jesus said, verse 10, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What else could they do? Hey, that's a cool trick. Thanks for all the fish, Jesus. See you around. I mean, think about Zebedee. What father in his right mind would not turn to his, would not look at what happened and turn to his sons and say, You need to follow him. You need to, to go with him. 
He's the one we've been looking for. He's the one we've been waiting for. I, I love this story because it's about us. It's about you and me. It's about different people from different backgrounds with different expectations and different faith levels at different places in our walk just accepting the simple invitation to follow Jesus into the future by taking our next step, whatever that step may be. It begins. It begins with listening and learning. You guys did so good with the memory verses the past few weeks. Well, I know if I just picked four or five of you at random and had you come right up here that you could recite all of the memory verses that we've learned the last few weeks. In fact, I think I... No, I won't do that. <laughs> I saw some people going, well, not me. Everybody broke eye contact at the same time. Don't, don't look at him. <laughs> I think I have to go to the restroom. <laughs> but I want to give you another, another memory verse. Okay. Because this, this verse tells us where faith comes from. This verse tells us how faith rises up in us. This verse tells us how we build unbreakable faith. It's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It's where Paul says this. Faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. Let's say that together, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. See, Christianity... It's not a big old dark hole with a voice at the bottom calling out, Jump! I'll catch you. Trust me. And we look down there and go, Well, I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. But I'm going to be a Christian. So here goes. Yeehaw! Does that scare you? It scared me. It scared me. Christianity is an informed faith. You know, we were talking about doubt. I told you that Christianity is a, is a reasonable faith. And that, that comes in right here where we're talking about. Every one of us, all of our stories begin at the same place with learning for the first time or the first time in a long time about who God is and who Jesus is. That's where we start. That's where it starts. With listening to Him. Learning from Him until He nudges us to take our next step. You can't say I don't give it all when I'm up here preaching. You know. Listen, for Peter, that nudge came when Jesus said, let's go fishing. Think about it for a minute. Think about what hung in the balance of Peter's decision to do what Jesus is asking him to do. This hits where we live, folks. Everything in Peter said, bad idea. Bad idea, this is going to cost me some time. It's going to cost me some money. It, it might even ruin my reputation. I could lose a, I could lose a whole day of fishing because, you know, we're going to have to clean the nets again and, and, and let them dry and put everything away and try to get a little sleep. Peter has no idea what God has planned for him. Really, he has no idea who Jesus is at this point. He knows there's something different about him, something special about him. He just may be the one we're looking for, but he's not sure. And think about this. 
You know, Jesus doesn't change at all in this story, right? He's Jesus from beginning to the end of this story. He's Jesus the whole time. And it wasn't until Peter said, okay, I'll take you fishing, and gave Jesus the opportunity to reveal himself to him, that's when Peter fell to his knees and said, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Hey, Peter, you weren't worthy to be in his presence the first time you ever saw him before he'd ever done anything for you. But see, Christianity is a revealed faith. He came to understand something about Jesus that he didn't understand at first because he was willing to take the next step. Something huge has happened here. Peter's little bit of faith has intersected with Jesus' faithfulness And that's when Peter realized who he was dealing with. That's when he saw the character and the nature of the man he had let talk him into going fishing. Some of us are right there. We're we're right there. Jesus is saying to us, come on, let's take this next step. And we resist. We argue. We we push back. This, This will cost me. This will take some of my time and my money and my reputation. Jesus says, Peter, you have no idea what's at stake right here. Peter, you're going to preach the first gospel sermon and you're you're going to start and lead a massive church. and You're going to write two books of the Bible and 2,000 years from now, people will still be talking about you and your life and your ministry. And you're worried about a little bit of time and a little bit of money? Hey, trust me. Take the next step. Peter took the next step. And it led directly to Jesus saying, Now, leave everything else behind and follow me. See, you can take that step. Now, leave that all behind and follow me. And they did. They did it. Peter, Andrew, James, John, because of what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had experienced, because of the steps they had taken. For them, following Jesus was just the next step in their journey. Listen, every one of us is somewhere on that journey. We're not all at the same place. Man, I would love it. If I could get all of us, everybody that you know, calls New Hope their church home, if I could get all of us on exactly the same place and we could all take that next step together and you know, hit the finish line at the same time, that would be awesome. But it's not going to happen. We're all at different places. We're all moving at different paces. There's some people here who are really not what we'd call church people. And the fact that you got up and got dressed and showed up here is just huge. I mean, it's monumental. It's as monumental as Peter taking Jesus up on his invitation to go fishing. I mean, for some of us, it's just what we do every Sunday. It's, it's habit, really. But for you, being here is a big step toward following Jesus. And you hear me say that, and you say, now, wait, wait, wait hang on just a second. I'm not sure I'm ready to do anything. I'm not sure I'm ready to change anything. That's okay. You're here. You're listening. You're hearing. You're exactly where God wants you to be. But listen, the day's coming when he says, can I borrow your boat? In other words, it's time to take your next step. It's time to get off go 
and make the next move. If that's where you are, you need to open up your heart and let somebody know about it, okay? So that you can get some of your questions answered and position yourself to take your next step. And there are others of us. We've been listening and seeking and studying a long time. And now Jesus is saying, let's go fishing. Let, take that next step. You know, maybe it's that God has put his finger on a specific area of our life and he's saying, I want you to trust me with that right there. What is that? He, you know, God says, I, I'm, not, I'm not calling you to go from zero to 60 in four seconds. I'm not sending you off into a monastery. I'm not trying to get you to go off in the jungle to be a missionary. I just want you to have an opportunity to see me at work in your life. I just want you to begin to see the reality of who I am and what I want to do and where I want to take you. And yes, there's some cost involved. You're going to have to trust me. Because I know that when you do, you will be amazed at how I show up in your life. And you'll recognize me and you will fall to your knees. It's a step. And a step. And another step. One that we're ready to take because we've seen him at work in our lives. You know, if you hang around here long enough, God's going to nudge you. He's going to nudge you to take some next steps in your walk with him, to, to move along in the process from I'm learning to I'm asking to I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm following. And none of us knows what hangs in the balance. None of us knows the lives that could be affected, the, the eternal destinies that could be transformed, maybe from something as simple as inviting a coworker, or a neighbor, or a classmate, a friend, to come to church. Whole families saved because somebody took the next step. Some of us have a long history of seeing God at work. We've just seen Him work in different areas of our lives. And you know what? Today, God is saying to us, I want the whole deal. I want the whole thing. I want your time and your relationships and your marriage and your business. Now is the time to take the next step. Follow me. Leave it all behind. Follow me. And that's a scary place to be. I mean, that was Peter's experience. You know, Luke says that they were amazed. He makes a point of saying not just Peter and Andrew, James and John, right? All the commercial fishermen who worked together were amazed. But you know, in the original language, that word means paralyzed <laughs> I've been there they were paralyzed we want to follow Jesus but we're afraid we're afraid to give him everything oh Jesus not my relationship you know not my money oh Lord not the way I conduct my business anything but that that's why Jesus says don't be afraid don't be afraid. I know this is different. I know it's tense. Don't be afraid. You know how he can say that? You know, how, you know how Jesus can say, you don't have to be afraid? Because when we decide to follow Jesus, he takes responsibility for the outcome of our journey. 
When we decide to follow Jesus, He takes responsibility for the outcome of our journey. Seven years ago this month, Vicki and I came to Florida, Indiana for the very first time. We, we came here to, to interview for the job of senior pastor at the Jubilee Fellowship. Grayson wasn't even a year old. How old would he have been? Well, he'd have been a year old in August, so 10 months. Just a baby. Some of you have heard this story, some of you haven't. We had, we had had some ministry that we had, personal ministry that we had received, and, and the, the focus, basically the thrust of the personal ministry is God's getting ready to release you back into full-time ministry as your, as your career, as your, your life's work, and so you need to be preparing for that. And so we did, and, and um, uh, been out of it for a while, um, but we, we, I got a resume together, and I put it out in the places where you're supposed to put it out, and... Nothing happened. I'm talking about nothing for six months. Not a request, not a nibble, not a are you interested, nothing. Now you think, I don't feel pretty foolish about that next, taking that next step. Then I got a phone call. Got a phone call from this gentleman sitting right over here. Said, we saw your resume. We'd like to have you come up here. You're the first one we've talked to. Remember you telling me that? You're the first one we've talked to, he said. And so Vicki and I began to, to think and to pray about coming here to serve. And I'll tell you, we had some of those paralyzing moments. I mean, I, I had a job that I loved. What's more incredible, where I worked, they loved me. There were, there were opportunities for me to continue to advance in my career. And we lived in the house that we loved in a town that we loved. And we were part of a church. I was a, an associate, part-time associate pastor in a church that we loved. And like I said, I hadn't been a senior pastor, pastor of a church for years. And the thought of changing all that scared the daylights out of me. I mean, absolutely scared me to death. And not to mention that by the time we got here, the first time that we came, as we were leaving, this is no exaggeration, we were walking out the door after meeting together with the committee. And I find out that they had received 160 resumes since they had talked to me and arranged for me to come here. <laughs> I got in the car and I just started laughing. And I told Vicki, I said, you know what? If I'm the last man standing out of 160, that just might be uh, God's will in the matter. And that's exactly what happened. And when the time came, to make a decision, it was like God was saying, this is it. Now what are you going to do? This is what you prayed for? This is what you were looking for? This is what you prepared for? Now what are you going to do? We had to decide. We had to hear God say, trust me. I'll take responsibility for the outcome. You trust me. You take the next step. Came here that, that first Sunday. <laughs> There were 45 people. And you know Vicki and I have six kids, right? We were, we were eight of them. I mean, I, I, I came like three or four different times, and every time I came, there were fewer and fewer people here. But God said, take that next step. 
Sell your house. Take a pay cut. Step away from a successful career. Ten years with the company that you've been with. And we did. And you know, sometimes I get overwhelmed when I think about the possibility that we could have missed all this. We could have missed getting to know you and to love you and and the excitement and the momentum that continues to build as we move into the future that God is leading us to. Hey, folks, I came here saying, I know we've had some trouble, and and I know things have looked bad, but God has not written the last chapter on this church. And I stand here before you today saying, I know that we've grown. And I know that we've seen some lives change and we've seen God do some amazing things. But guess what? God has still not written the last chapter on New Hope Community Church. There is more to do. The greatest tragedy in any life is not taking the next step that God wants us to take. Missing the experience and never knowing what God might have done if we had stepped out and trusted Him. When we follow Jesus, He takes responsibility for the outcome. And that can be scary, but let me tell you what really ought to scare us. That's getting too comfortable. Getting so complacent that we stop looking for the next step. And so we miss out on what God wants to do in us, and to us, and through us. We've been blessed. We've been blessed in so many ways. We've been blessed with growth. But listen, drawing a crowd isn't the point. I mean, I really do believe that God has called us to change the world from this cornfield. I believe God is calling us to do some some things that are crazy unless God is in it. There's going to have to be some next steps. Some next steps in individual lives and some next steps in the life of this church. We've got to shake off good enough thinking. We've got to start thinking about how God can use us to literally transform the world. I'm telling you, I look out at you and I see missionaries. I see missionaries who will take the good news about Jesus into the places where you work and live go to school some of you I'm not trying to scare anybody but some of you will take the gospel around the world to Africa Central and South America Asia I look out at our community and I see us confronted with extraordinary needs that we can meet I'm, I'm, again I'm talking crazy I mean what if we what if we gave Decent transportation to single moms who who didn't have any. What if we gave a house to a single mom who had no place to put her family? I see us helping families climb out of poverty and addiction and dysfunction. I see marriages being put back together. Families and relationships being healed because of the ministry of this church. 
And I see more and more and more men and women and boys and girls who are coming to trust Jesus Christ and know him as Savior and Lord and escape an eternity without God in hell. Listen carefully. Do not make the the critical mistake of sitting here thinking, we can't do that. We can't do that. I mean, we we don't have the resources. We're we're a a growing church, but you know, we're still small, and we're in a small town. And you know that uh, Carroll is one of the smallest counties in Indiana, and we've fished all night, Jesus, and haven't caught a thing. We can't think like that. Jesus is calling us to follow him with unbreakable faith. Not to life as usual. Not to life as we currently know it. But to life as it could be. As he wants it to be. With unbreakable faith. Because he is responsible for the outcome. And the only limit on any of us. Is our, is our willingness to say. Yes Lord I'll take that next step. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go because you say so and because of what I've seen and heard and experienced and learned so far in my walk with you, I will take the next step. So what's yours? What's your next step? Will you take it today? Will you move forward into the future? with unbreakable faith. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.